Welcome back to the Earhart Out podcast. My name is Lucas Shu. Per usual, I will be your host today. Um, I didn't record podcast last week. Obviously, a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. There's there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, honestly. But there's not a lot nothing going on in sports either. Just want to take a break from that, but we're back. We got a little bit of something to talk about with ESPN's redraft. We're just going to dive right into it. I'll give you some of my favorite picks, some of my least favorite picks. Uh, some of my favorite drafts, my least favorite drafts. Um, I'm just going to dive right into it right away. One of my favorite picks in the ESPN redraft was uh, Mitchell Schwartz by the Steelers in round three with pick 82 in the draft. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz, I really don't know what the deal is with him, why people don't recognize him more or think about him more, but he is, if not one of the best, the best offensive tackles in the entire NFL. And know people used to say Tyron Smith was there, uh, just numerous guys, even named Jason Peters, and his prime was really, 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 really good. Um, but there are so many guys who are good, and everybody thinks left tackle is always the place they go. Left tackle, that's the best offensive tackle in the NFL, always. But right now, the right tackle is like a, a renaissance almost. You got Mitchell Schwartz, who's possibly the best uh, offensive tackle in the entire NFL as it is. Then you got guys like Lane Johnson, who are elite level offensive tackles. You got guys like Ryan Ramchek, who is one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL and dominated his rookie year. But the best of them is Mitchell Schwartz. And getting him in round three, pick. 82 isn't it shouldn't happen you should get him like early round two because he is the best offensive tackle in the entire nfl this past offseason or past offseason excuse me past postseason he utterly dominated the playoffs i think he gave like one pressure pff said in the entire playoffs which is insane especially when considering who he's playing against i mean the chiefs played against the titans he played against the 49ers in the play in the Super Bowl, but against legit defenses who are legit edge rushers who could dominate, but they couldn't beat Mitchell Schwartz. He was just that good in the playoffs, and he's that good in the regular season. He is athletic, but the most important thing, or most impressive thing to his game is he is so fundamentally sound. He's got a good base to him. He's uh, got to get a good jump off the line of scrimmage always. He's got incredible hands. He just does everything well. And it's so hard to beat him any way you want to. He's just so, so, so good. So getting him in, like, the third round should not be a thing that teams are able to do. Next up, we got Jamal Adams, another round three pick. Uh, pick 88 by the Jets. Uh, no, no, excuse me, New Orleans by the Saints. Um, Jamal Adams plays for the Jets. Uh, by the way, if you don't know who this ESPN redraft was, uh, a bunch of ESPN uh, beat reporters did a redraft for four rounds, and they basically just took the best player trying to rebuild a team and start from the ground up. Uh, but yeah, it's on the ESPN website. Uh, just type in like redraft ESPN. It should be like the first link to pop up. But uh, Jamal Adams, pick 88. I wrote an article about Jamal Adams and Derwin James a while, not a while ago, maybe like a week and a half, two weeks ago, on how they're the future of the NFL. Because you got guys like uh, Harrison Smith, who's an elite level safety, who is. Uh, kind of good, kind of a do-it-all guy, but not really do-it-all guy. He's not extremely well like, in deep coverage situations. He's not. You don't want him doing that. You want him kind of roaming around the line of scrimmage, taking like away slot guys. You want him doing that kind of thing. 
And then you get guys like Anthony Harris, Earl Thomas in his prime, and uh, Kevin Byard, who are all like, put them on a, put them way back in deep zone coverage and have them just fly around the field in like a ball hawking kind of sense. Those guys are elite at that. But then you get Derwin James and Jamal Adams, who are can do pretty much everything. They're they're the do it all kind of guy. They're literally that guy. They can uh, play deep zone coverage. They can cover the slot. They can be like a roamer over the middle of the field. They can literally be an edge rusher. They're, Jamal Adams, basically the be- second best edge rusher on the Jets, if not the best edge rusher in the Jets last year. He had the second most pressures, I think. Your second most or most pressures in, or second most sacks, I believe. But he was just dominant as a pass rusher for the Jets. As like a 215-pound guy, he was able to beat edge rushers one-on-one at the line of scrimmage. That should not be happening. And obviously, Jets, you don't want to play him there because the more valuable part is in coverage, and that's where he's better at. But for him to actually be a quality player in pass rushing situations for the Jets last year, it's insane. And for a team to get him in round three is is bonkers to me. You shouldn't be able to get a guy like a Jamal Adams-type player in round three. He he shouldn't be there. He should have been taken right by somebody. I mean, how do you how do people pass up on him that much? Uh, next one we got is Chris Godwood, on the, another round three pick. Round three pick, 74 by the Cleveland Browns. I think Chris Godwin's a, uh, one of these guys who just gets overlooked because of where he plays and who he plays next to. Chris Godwin's also a receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, plays alongside O.J. Howard, and Mike Evans is the main name there because Mike Evans went early on the draft. He's a physical, physical freak of nature. He's an incredible wide receiver. I'm not taking anything away from Mike Evans. But Chris Godwin may be a better receiver. And I know just this past year is when he blew up with the Bruce Arian system and just blew, blew up in general when he broke out. But he was so, so, so good last year for the Buccaneers. He destroyed in pretty much every aspect of the game. He just torched everybody. And for now, Tom Brady to get to play with Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Gronk, and him, is it's going to be unfair for Buccaneers in real life to get to play with all these guys and have Tyler Johnson, who's a young receiver, who's a quality slot receiver from Minnesota, because he should be able to dominate there. Or playing on the outside as well. But Chris Godwin, getting him this late, and him playing a premium position in wide receiver, that's just a steal for the, the Browns. It's an absolute steal. You should not be able to get a guy... Who's that good, that late? These are these picks are, are mainly just value-based picks. So like, obviously, obviously round one, pick one is Mahomes. Obviously, then round pick two by the Washington's Russell Wilson. It just makes sense because QB is the most valuable position on the field, no matter which way you slice it. So you want to get the best QB always. So I'm not gonna say, oh Mahomes is the best pick because it's obvious. But these guys like Chris Godwin, Schwartz and Jamal Adams, they're all value picks, basically. So getting these guys this late is just incredible value. Next up, we're going to talk about some of my favorite drafts. I got four of them. First one we got is uh, the Cowboys. The Cowboys killed the draft in real life with guys like just C.D. Lamb, Trevon Diggs, all these incredible players. And they also killed the draft in uh, a redraft. The Cowboys got... Round 1, they got Kyler Murray at pick 17. Round 2, pick 40, they got Tyron Smith. Round 3, pick 81, they got Keenan Allen. In round 4, pick 112, they got Max Crosby. Getting uh, Kyler Murray, a young, 
extremely talented uh, QB that late should not be happening. I mean, he is one of the best young QBs excuse me, in the NFL right now. I, I, I really don't know what how to say about it. I'm, I mean, I was shocked to be reading this and seeing that he lasted that long because he shouldn't be lasting that long. And you always, I see both QB, both under QB, always go QB. And for the Cowboys to get a player of his caliber at his age is incredible. He should have gone like top 10, but there are other teams who went in the wrong direction, to put it nicely. I mean, they, I'll get to them later because they're on later on in the podcast of my least favorite drafts and bad drafts. But to get Kyler Murray that and that spot is incredible. I, I mean, You've got to be happy with that. And then Tyron Smith, he's older. He's had some injury problems now. But he's still one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. Maybe not the best anymore. Maybe not the top one. But he's still one of the best in the NFL. And to give Kyler Murray extra protection is perfect. It's perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm more I'm pro receiver over offensive line. But to get an elite level offensive lineman, especially offensive tackle, it's a, val- it's a valuable pick. I think it's a really, really, really nice pick. And you get Keenan Allen in round three. I mean, you get Kyler Murray, one of the best uh, route-running players in the NFL and route-running receivers in the NFL. I mean, it's a steal of a pick. How do you, how does that land perfectly for the Cowboys? There's a perfectly, like, you got your elite QB, you got an elite offensive tackle, and you got a really good wide receiver. It just lines up perfectly in how you build a team. I'd go receive for offensive tackle in round two, but they still get, still get a quality, quality receiver, Keenan Allen, who can get open at will is an absolute steal of effect. The only pick I didn't like is Max Crosby. And I mean, Max Crosby's okay. He's a solid player, but with the guys available who are here, I mean, they could have done way better. There's guys are like uh, Cortland Sutton, who's a really good receiver for Denver, who ironically Denver took. Uh, Darius Leonard was a quality linebacker. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who is an elite level, I mean, elite level, but he's a really, really good cornerback for uh, New Orleans. Uh, Patrick Peterson is available. Brandon Brooks, who sadly tore his Achilles the other day. Man, that guy came off Achilles last season and dominated. And he tore his Achilles again. I just feel bad for Brandon Brooks. But Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, McLaren, how you pronounce it, they're all available. But, I mean, the pick, the last pick isn't going to hurt him too much because of their three picks ahead of them that they absolutely crushed. But... Besides that, absolutely great job of the Cowboy Feet reporter here. Next up, we got the Giants. You know, round one, they went, round one, pick four. They went to Sean Watson. Oh, by the way, the draft is a, I think Snake is how you pronounce. I think it's a Snake draft. So obviously, if you're the Bengals in round one, pick one, you're getting the first pick. But then round two, you're getting the last pick in the round, and so on, and so forth. But uh, Giants round one, pick four, took to Sean Watson. Round two, pick sixty-one, they took Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, round three, pick 68, Teron Armstead, and round four, pick 125, Allen Robinson. This one, I'm not sure if it's better than the Cowboys, but they definitely hit on every pick, in my opinion. Deshaun Watson, I mean, what can you say about him that hasn't been said already? He is one of the best QBs in the NFL. He's an incredible playmaker. If Clutch Dean was, is an actual thing, I don't believe in it, but if, he, if it is, he uh, definitely has it. Um, I mean, you you killed it with the Deshaun Watson pick. It fell right into your lap. I mean, it was 
Mahomes first, Wilson second, Lamar third. So you obviously had to take Deshaun Watson. He's one of the best QBs in the NFL. He's got a great arm, great accuracy. He can pretty much fit in any system you put him in. But the next two picks are really, really good too. Yannick Ngakwe, uh recently messy, had a messy situation with uh, the Jaguars. He, I thought he was going to the Eagles in real life, but Yannick Ngakwe is one of the best speed rushers in the NFL. He's not like a big bruising guy or like a big hulking guy who's going to bull rush you that often, but he has really good hand usage and is really explosive at the line of scrimmage and really hard to contain. Uh, next we get Taron Armstead from the other side of the line at offensive tackle. Well, again, another really good offensive tackle, another really good player. But my favorite pick besides the Watson pick because, I mean, if you had to pick Watson, is Allen Robinson. Robinson, I feel like he's just gotten disgraced by the, not disgraced by the NFL, but like, is in a, just a, such a crappy situation in the NFL that everybody kind of forgets how good he is. If you put Allen Robinson in a top 10 QB situation, obviously any NFL receiver should thrive in that situation because of who they're with, and if they don't, they shouldn't be in the NFL. But if you put Allen Robinson in any top 10 QB situation, he'd be probably considered one of the best receivers in the NFL because he is so, so talented. He is an incredible route runner. Uh, he has incredible hands. He's like an uber possession guy, as uh, PFF Steve, Steve Palazzolo would say. Uber possession, <clears throat> uber possession guy. I mean, anything you throw to him, he's going to catch. But he's got really nuanced route running skills. Like He knows how to set up guys. He knows how to work leverage. He has a really good curl route. You can just slam on the brakes, and he's right there. But sadly for him, he's playing with Mitchell Trubisky, who... Man, he's just not good, to say the least. He misses guys easily. He struggles to uh, go past his first read. He's just obviously brutal. I'm not going to get much into Trubisky, but for Allen Robinson to at least be a really quality receiver in that Bears offense in which his QB struggles a whole lot, it says a lot about Allen Robinson. And for the Giants in this redraft to get him is a great pick. Again, they got Deshaun Watson, Yannick Ngakwe, Tateron Armstead, and Al Robinson. Next up, we get the Ravens. The Ravens, looking at it, they may have my favorite draft out of all everybody. Round 1, pick 28, Matthew Stafford. Round 2, pick 37, Julio Jones. Round 3, pick 92, J.J. Watt. And round 4, pick 101, uh, Stephon Diggs. I'm, if you don't know me, I'm very heavily, heavily analytics- driven and heavy analytics influenced and I believe in them strongly and for the Ravens in this redraft to get a QB early on make you really on a QB a quality QB late in round one and then two quality receivers that's how you build a team I mean to say quality is a bit of an understatement for Julio and Stefan Diggs to get probably the best receiver in the NFL and then a really good receiver in Stefan Diggs is insane I mean Matt Stafford people don't talk about him a lot because for whatever reason, I talk about him a lot. But he's one of the best QBs in the NFL to me. He's got a cannon for an arm still. He's got really interesting arm angles he can work out of. Uh, he's still a quality QB. He's not your top five QB like a Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, yada, yada, yada. But he's still a really good QB, and he's still one you can definitely win with. But then if you give him weapons to work with, he can really thrive. And what the Ravens did here was give him 
legitimate weapons. They gave him Julio Jones, who is one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best receiver in the NFL, and they gave him Stephon Diggs. Imagine lining up outside as a defensive... Imagine just being a defensive coordinator and having to face Matt Stafford, who's a quad QB, and then having your cornerbacks and even to backs having to deal with Julio Jones on one side and Stephon Diggs on the other side. I do not know how you deal with that as a defensive coordinator or a defensive back in general. Somebody's going to get torched, unless you have, like, Stephon Gilmore on one side and whoever your second favorite cornerback is on the other side. It's not going to work. Something's going to get burned. Something's going to go off for, like, 150 yards on you. Because that is such a good receiving core. To have a Julio and Stephon Diggs with an elite, not an elite QB, but a high-end QB, a good QB who you can definitely win with. Yeah, that's how you build a team. And then to put on top of that, you get one of the best defensive players in the NFL in J.J. Watt. That's insane. Before Watt got hurt last year, he had like 80 pressures or something like that The PFF said of the podcast a while ago. It just, it fell in our lap perfectly. Matt Stafford, Julio Jones, J.J. Watt, Stephon Diggs, the Ravens. Speaking of uh, Lions, Matt Stafford, we got the Lions actual draft. The Lions went... Round 1, pick 3, Lamar Jackson. Round 2, pick 62, Derwin James. Round 3, pick 67, Tredavious White. And round 4, pick 126, DJ Moore. Uh, so, the last draft by the Ravens was heavily analytics influenced. You tell it's QB and then receiving weapons. And then they got JJ Watt, who's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. This one is similar into the fact that they did went QB, very smart, and you got Lamar Jackson, who's one of the most dynamic and hardest to take down QBs maybe in NFL history. But then you got two defensive backs and a receiver. Now, obviously, analytics people, analytics Twitter, analytics anybody, they always talk about, but your PFF, they one of the main ones that I first saw talk about this is coverage over pass rush. And what the Lions did here, the Lions beat reporter did here, was they definitely went coverage over pass rush. You got Derwin James, who I think is the best safety in the NFL right now. I think he's number one, and then Jamal Adams at number two. But, I mean, if you want to say uh, Jamal Adams over him, I'm not going to argue with you. I think both are incredible uh, defensive backs and safeties. I just think Derwin's slightly ahead of him. But then you get Tredavious White as well. The Lions in this redraft got more the best safety in the NFL, and then top ten corner in the NFL, top five corner in the NFL, wherever you want to rank them. You got an elite level corner on the other side. That is how you build a defense. You don't build defenses with elite level pass rushers. It obviously, obviously helps, but you can scheme up uh, pass rushing opportunities and scheme up uh, pressures with different kind of alignments on the line of scrimmage and different kind of. Uh, disguises in the line of scrimmage with different blitz packages. But what's harder to scheme up is elite-level coverage. And getting an elite-level coverage guys like Derwin James, who can, like I said, with Jamal Adams, do literally anything on the field at any time, it's going to make your job a lot easier as a defensive coordinator. Because he can play deep zone coverage, he can play over the middle, he can play slot corner, he can play an edge rusher, he can be basically a linebacker if you want him to be, he can be an outside corner. You can do anything you want it to do and just do it at a high level. It makes everything so much more easier and he's so valuable on the field. Offenses are always talking about and 
analysts are always talking about finding mismatches in the offense or defense, uh, getting a running back lined up on a linebacker, getting a slot receiver lined up on a linebacker, getting a tight end lined up on a uh, safety. But Thurman James, he's the exact same thing, but on defense. He's going to take away these opportunities that these elite-level running backs will get who can take advantage of a linebacker or a tight end who can take advantage of a safety because he's so strong, he's very athletic, he's great in coverage. He's the guy you want in the modern NFL. And they have Tredavious White on the other side who's been another elite-level corner. It's going to make, it, in theory, if this team was a real team, it'd make your defensive coordinator's job a lot easier. And then you give Lamar Jackson DJ Moore, who they literally got with the third-to-last pick in the draft. So to get a quality young receiver in the third-to-last pick in the draft is just great job by the Lions there. Next up, we got uh, my least favorite picks, and we're going to get this out of the way. Anybody who's taken a running back early on, I, I got to say that's my least favorite pick. I mean, I can't not say it. You got guys like uh, Christian McCaffrey, pick 20 by the Rams. Dalvin Cook, pick 33 by the Chiefs. Houston Texans pick 39, Saquon Barkley. I mean, you can't take these guys when there's other guys available who are like Devonta Adams for Houston. So Devonta Adams is available. Ryan Ramchek was available. Uh, Bobby Wagner was available. Was really uncovered. Tyron Smith is available. Minka was available. Travis Kelsey was available. Zach Ertz was available. Josh Allen was available. All these guys are available that you could take instead of a running back. And Delvin Cook, all those guys I just listed were available. Plus... Miles Garrett, David Bakhtiari, who's probably the best pass-blocking offensive tackle in the NFL, and then Cam Newton, Julio Jones. Julio Jones and Cam Newton, David Bakhtiari, and Miles Garrett are all immensely more valuable than Dallin Cook it was. And then you have Christian McCaffrey, who literally everybody I just listed was available for the Rams to take here, pick, pick 20. But then add on Michael Thomas, Ryan Tannehill, Khalil Mack, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, George Kittle, Stephon Gilmore, and you still have the guys I just listed like Julio Jones, uh, Miles Garrett, Bakhtiari, Devonta Adams, Jalen Ramsey. All these guys are available, but you instead went running back. Instead, when the NFL clearly and Alex has clearly shown that passing the ball is immensely more valuable than anything in the NFL, you go running back. I had a bunch of them listed down, but anybody who had to a running back in this first like two rounds, three rounds, it's just insane to me. You can't, you're building a team, you don't build that way. You build around your QB, you give them weapons to work with. That's the main way you build your offense, not with running backs. Now to get something outside of running backs, uh, number 15 pick, Denver Broncos, Drew Locke. Now I'm a big fan of the Broncos rebuild this past couple of years, or this past year for the matter with uh A.J. Bouye, Jarrell Casey, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Natani Muti, all these guys who are quality guys. I think they're building in the right direction. I think Drew Locke has potential to be a quality player. But to take him at pick 15, I mean, come on. I like Drew Locke. I think he could be a quality QB in the NFL. I think he's potential. But to take him at pick 15 when guys like Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray, uh, Jimmy G., Mike Thomas are all available you could take. What what are we doing here, guys? I get you like I get the Denver beat reporter probably likes Drew Locke a lot, right? Banking on him. But Kyler Murray is obviously better than Drew Locke. He's better than Drew Locke. Matt Ryan better than Drew Locke. Michael Thomas, 
probably more valuable than Drew Locke right now. I mean, at Drew Locke's peak, he's probably going to be better than uh, Michael Thomas in terms of value. But right now, no. Tyreek Hill, no. Matt Stafford, probably better than him as well. Tannehill had a real good year last year. And I get taking Drew Locke. I think he should be picked in this draft. I'm not saying, oh, why you take him? He shouldn't even be picked. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, probably don't take him that early. Probably don't take him in the first half of the first round. Let's let's slow down a little bit on that. Maybe get like a high end receiver, get another QB like a Kyler, a Matt Ryan, a Ryan Tannehill, another quality QB who we are already already sold on, already know how good he is. Maybe not go Drew Locke after five games, one being really good, one being not good at all, and the others being eh. Maybe let's be a little smarter than that, guys. I mean, I'm I like Drew Locke. I don't think he's terrible. But taking him that early is a little bit crazy to me. The other one we got is uh, Joey Bosa, pick seven by the Carolina Panthers. I find if you like Joey Bosa a lot, find if you think he's really good. But taking him at pick seven in the draft is just bonkers to me. I get you. I get he's a quality defensive end. I get that. Not taking a thing away from Joey Bosa. I believe he's one of the best defensive ends in the NFL, if he's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, period. But taking him over guys like Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Rodgers, Burrow, Ryan, Murray, it just doesn't make any sense. I Fine if you believe in him, but it doesn't make any sense analytically or value-wise. When you build the teams, you don't build them to have the best players on them. Or you do guys like Justin Tucker on teams and being picked like top 10 because he's one of the best kickers in the NFL or whoever you want to name. You don't build teams because a player is really good. You build teams because a player plays a value position and he's really good. You if you if you build teams just based on player being players being good, you'd have Aaron Donald going first overall. You'd have a lot of running backs in the first round because they're actually good like Nick Chubb, uh, Christian McCaffrey. You'd see those guys going in the top 10. But you don't build that way. You build with passing the ball and giving the quarterback weapons to work with and protecting him. And then deep from the side of the ball, you build by having a quality event with quality corners, quality coverage, quality defensive pass rushers, quality everywhere. You don't need high-end stars. I'd better have a quality defense. Just good players everywhere rather than a couple stars and everybody else being below average. But adding Joey Bosa over got a Drew Brees even, why would you... When you're building a team, you don't build that way. It just boggles my mind that there's so much data out here, but people are like, no, I want a pass rusher. We're like, no, you can take a QB, get a pass rusher later on. I mean, in the second round, there were plenty of pass rushers who went off the board who were just as good, if not better, than Joey Bosa. For example, Miles Garrett went off the board in the second round. Chase Young was a young guy who was really good. Cam Jordan, who was really good, went in the second round. Daniel Hunter, Chandler Jones, DeForest Buckner, Zadarius Smith, Yannick Ngakwe. All guys who are really, really, really good edge rushers. But you took Joey Bosa in the sixth, seventh pick. You could have got one of these guys back then. And Carolina's next pick was pick 58. So they took DeForest Buckner. You could have waited on him. You could have literally get DeForest Buckner later on. And picked a QB instead. Picked like a Kyler Murray instead. Picked like a Drew Brees. Picked a Matt Ryan. A Joe Burrow. A Wentz. Prescott. Pick one of these guys instead. But instead you went Ed Rusher. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, 
Next, we're getting into my, some of my least favorite drafts. Obviously, we just talked about them, the Panthers. So the Panthers took Joey Bosa, Force Buckner, quality, quality, quality players. Not taking a thing away from them. They are quality players. But they're not valuable. If you took Joey Bosa second round and the Force Buckner third round and took a quality QB first round, they wouldn't be on this list. But taking two defensive players, neither of which are coverage players, not, not a Derwin James, not a Stephon Gilmore, none of that. Taking them over anybody else is just insane to me. And then when they took a QB, they didn't even take a good one. They took Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham. Round three, pick 71. The Carolina Panthers in this redraft took Jared Stidham. I really don't know what to make of this. I mean, they forced themselves in a situation. There weren't a lot of good QBs left. There's Jameis, who's... I'd rather have, okay, honestly, I'd rather have Jameis over Jared Stidham. I'm going to post Jared Stidham pick. I'm going to look at all the QBs. I'm just going to list guys who I'd rather have over Jared Stidham. we got Jared Goff. I'd rather have him. I know he's not great, but I'd rather have him over Jared Stidham. Derek Carr, I'd probably take him over Jared Stidham. Big Ben, with a couple of years he got left, I'd take Big Ben probably. James, I'd take him over. Tyrod, I'd take over him. Uh, Phil Perth to take over him. Who else we got here? I think that might have been it. Yeah, every guy I've listed, I'd take over Jared Stidham. Goff, Big Ben, Tyrod, Derek Carr. All these guys I'd take over him. Jameis. But they didn't even... They forced themselves in a situation by taking a poor QB. But they also could have gotten a legit QB. It doesn't make any sense to me why you take a Jared Stidham, a guy who didn't even go in the third round in his own draft, taking him in a redraft in the third round. Where, where do you see the value in Where I don't get why people are so in love with Jared Stidham. I saw Chris Sims talk about how he could probably better than, he's probably better than Tua. How? They played in college. Tua, they put in the same time frame into college, and Tua outperformed him. Outperformed him, but if you still think Stidham's better. It's not like we're comparing two different eras of a, guy, of a guy like in the 1980s and a guy right now with the different passing games and different rules and different style of play. We're comparing a guy who were in college during the same time frame as each other. And when they left, Jared Stidham obviously left the, the draft earlier than Tua did, but not like 20 years after him or 20 years later. He left, Tua came, he left, Stidham left, two years later, Tua was there. Two left a year to later. How do people think he's better than Tua? And how do people think he's round three worthy? Follows my mind. And then round four, pick 122, they take Jedrick Wills. I like Jedrick Wills as an offensive line prospect, but he's going to take a little bit to develop. He's going to take a second to develop. Man, a second probably going to be more than that because offensive tackles need time. Because they're not ready yet. Pretty much no offensive tackles are ready yet. Besides Penny Sewell or Ryan Ramchek. Who Ramchek killed at right tackle. But Penny Sewell is probably going to be the next guy. Who can step right in and be a quality guy. Most guys can't do that. But you could have got guys like Brennan Brooks. Obviously nobody knew he was going to tear his Achilles. But you could have got guys like Kevin Byard. Really high end quality safety. Allen Robinson. Really good quality receiver. DJ Moore. Young quality receiver. Terry McLaren. Young quality receiver. Tyler Lockett. Young quality receiver. 
you've got guys got, got guys like this who could have been way more valuable to your team, but instead you go a young offensive tackle who you don't even know if he's going to be good or not. Fine if you believe in him, but that's just a poor, poor draft by me. Another bad one you got is the Chargers. Chargers went round one, pick six, Ronnie Stanley. Round two, pick 59, Zadarius Smith. I love Zadarius Smith. Put that out there. Round three, pick 70, Daniel Jones. In round four, pick 123, Brandon Brooks. This one is similar to the Panthers in that they took quality guys. Guys who were good players. But they didn't take them in terms of value. I mean, round one, pick six, they took Ronnie Stanley. They were a pick before the Joey Bosa pick by the Panthers, who I just talked about. They took Ronnie Stanley uh, in pick six. At pick six, you need to take a QB. You need to take a QB because they're so valuable to the NFL. You get guys like Breeze, who are still a year or two left and still really good. Prescott, really good. Wentz, really good. Uh, Rodgers, Burrow, Ryan, Brady, Murray. All these guys are real. Tannehill, Tua, Cam Newton. All these guys are available. But you went Ronnie Stanley. And Ronnie Stanley, to me, is not even the best up to the tackle. He's not even the best left tackle in the NFL. Best left tackle in the NFL right now, I'd probably say David Bakhtiari. Because he contributes so much in the pass blocking game that I think that's very valuable. But, Ronnie Stanley has taken a big leap ahead in his game. Because I think of Lamar Jackson. I'm pretty sure Ben Solak talked about this, talked about this on a Locked On Draft which is a great podcast, but nobody has talked about Ronnie Stanley in this light since Lamar Jackson came in. And it's probably because of the style of play the Ravens play. Ravens now play a play-action-heavy offense with Lamar Jackson getting very creative with his legs and then taking a lot of shots downfield. The thing that's hard for defensive ends and edge rushers and whoever's lining up against the Ravens offensive line uh, is, and the tricky thing for them is, they don't know if the Ravens are going to run the ball. And defenses are always built into the fact, okay, we want to stop the run. So they're kind of forced on the fact to try to contain, try to wait a second, play the gaps, play their run fits, instead of going after the pass rush, going after the passer, going after the QB. Teams are always fearful, even if they're not using play action. Even if they're not, even if it's just a straight drop back. Teams are always scared because they don't know what's coming. I think Lamar Jackson does that for them. That's why he's brings immense value. I'm a little lower on Lamar Jackson, but I recognize, hey, he has a lot of value and he's still a really, really, really good QB. But Laramie Tunzel, excuse me, Laramie Tunzel, Ronnie Stanley, he can get a little bit of a break and a little bit of a secondary act. He's still quality off the tackle. He gets an extra secondary act because teams are always a little fearful of Lamar Jackson doing something crazy or. Them doing the Ravens doing something crazy with a read option or something, Mark Ingram doing something crazy or any of this. So they're always a little hesitant. They're always waiting a second. And Ronnie Stanley always gets that second ahead of teams. He always gets a little extra advantage and always helps him. Always helps him. No matter who you are. Jeff Schwartz talked about this on the PFF uh, draft podcast how teams, players, offensive should always do this. I don't know a lot about offensive line play, I know a little bit. But I certainly don't know much of Jeff does. When he says something like that, I'm going to trust him on that. 
teams are clearly getting an advantage on play action. No matter who you are. If you're Ronnie Stanley to be on the heavy, most heavy play action team in the NFL, and with a team who has the most dynamic quarterback runner in the NFL, it helps. Next, the Chargers got Zadarius Smith. Quality player, but you could have got a QB. I mean, I love Zadarius Smith, but get a QB here, guys. Finally, the Chargers take QB in the form of Daniel Jones. Round three, pick 70. This is a similar situation to uh, Jared Statham and the fact that Jared Statham was taken one pick er- later on in this draft. Dan Jones picked pick 70. Uh, Statham picked 71 by Carolina. And there's plenty of QBs still available on the board who are just as good, if not better, in Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Big Ben, Jameis, yada, yada, yada. All the guys I listed before, all still on the board. And I don't believe in Dan Jones yet. I think he's overly aggressive. I mean, not aggressive, but overly Eli Manning-esque where he's going to throw it into the pieces he shouldn't throw it into and going to get hurt, burned by it. But last year, he had a lot of dropped interceptions. He had a lot of turnover where he plays, like a lot of fumbles that should have been scooped up by the defense, but just an offensive lineman fell on it, or, or he fell on it. And he just got away with a lot of things. I don't think he's a quality QB yet. I think he has some potential, but I don't believe him just yet. And then you got Brandon Brooks, who was a quality pick in the front four. I think that was their best pick in the whole draft, honestly. I mean, Dan Jones probably going to be the most valuable pick, but Brandon Brooks might have been the best one because getting a really good guard that late on is steal of a pick for them. Last one we got before we head out of here is the Chiefs. The Chiefs in real life are probably the best team in the NFL and really lean heavily analytics-wise with their heavy passing and really good receiving core and leaning heavily on that. But in the draft, in this redraft, they really screwed up. They really screwed up. Their first pick, great. Great, 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 great. No complaints whatsoever. They get Stephon Gilmore, round one, pick 32. You get the best cornerback in the NFL. Perfect. Not a lot of not a lot of QBs available that you want, so you can go get one later. You can get literally the next pick. Fine, you can you get the best corner. I mean, I don't care which way you get it as long as you get the best corner because it's just a snake draft. So Chiefs are gonna have pick thirty-two, and then they're gonna lead off round two with pick thirty-three. So you got Stephon Gilmore, really good pick. That line is up for a QB, and you got a lot of QBs on the board for you too. You got Cam Newton. You got uh, Josh Allen, who I wouldn't take that early on. You got uh, Big Ben. You got Kirk Cousins. You got Jameis. You got all these quality QBs. Instead, or you can go receiver. Or you can go receiver. You got Julio available still. You got Devonta Adams available still. You got tight end. You still got Charles Kelsey available. You got Zach Ertz. You got Odell. You got all these quality guys available. But instead, instead, the Chiefs go Delvin Cook. Devin Cook notably is holding out right now for more money. Does he deserve it? Playing the position he does, probably he deserves it. Because, I mean, if there's a position that deserves money, it's probably the running back because they're getting hit every time. But from a team-building perspective, from a winning game perspective, he does not deserve it. I'm not going to dive into this. I have an article written on fansided.com, uh, NFL Spin Zone. Go read that if you like. But Devin Cook does not, should not be picked 33 in the draft. Especially when we have guys like Here's the next 10 picks after that. Miles Garrett picked 34. David Bakhtiari picked 35. Cam Newton picked 36. Julio Jones picked 37. Jalen Ramsey picked 38. Saquon, don't do that, guys. Saquon, don't pick him either. 39, that's Houston. Pick 40, Devontae Adams. 
Pick 41, Ryan Ramchek. Pick 42, TJ Watt. Really good young uh, edge rusher. Pick 43, Josh Allen. I'm not a huge Josh Allen fan, but he would have been worked way better for Kansas City than Devin Cook. You don't take a running back that early on. You need a QB. You need an offensive weapon for a QB. You need a high-end receiver, like a Julio, who is literally still there, or get a QB like Cam Newton, still there. you got to take a receiver here, or a QB here. I, I, don't, I, I don't understand it. Then, round three, pick... 96 in the draft with players like Jair Alexander available, Stephon Diggs available, Phil Rivers who's available, all these cool guys, A.J. Brown, uh, Tyra Matthew, Demarcus Lawrence, all these guys available, Grady Jarrett, all these guys, and the Chiefs go Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Now, I think Nick Chubb's a quality player. I think he's maybe one of the best running backs in the NFL. Maybe one of the top one. Maybe the top one in the NFL. But you don't take a running back in that position. When you don't have a QB yet, you don't have a receiver yet, you don't have an offensive weapon in general, you don't have an offensive receiver, you don't have a tight end, a receiver, uh, offensive tackle, any of the valuable offensive positions you don't have available, you don't go running back. I like Nick Chubb. But you don't go running back. The next pick, the Chiefs took Tyrod Taylor. They were forced in the situation because of the Derwin James pick. Derwin James, excuse me. Devin Cook pick. They were forced in the situation because of that. You can't... This is what happens when you go Devin Cook that early on. you got 60 picks ahead of you, or whatever, how many picks ahead of them, their next pick. And guys, QBs go flying off the board because people are like, oh, I need a QB. I need a QB. QBs who went off the board after the Devin Cook pick are like Cam Newton... Uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, uh, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Jared Stidham, those two I would not take. Uh, Jared Goff, Jameis, Ben, Roethlisberger. Um, but you don't take a Nick Chubb, and then you get forced in Tyrod Taylor. You get forced in Tyrod Taylor. Uh, that's it for the podcast today, guys. Thank you for listening. I know I haven't recorded last week, but thank you for tuning in. Uh, feel free to follow the podcast account uh, on Twitter, which is at the Aired Out Pod, or follow my personal account at LucasShoot2 on uh, um, Twitter. I also, a little professional announcement, I also have joined the NFL Analysis Network. Um, follow them on Twitter, which I believe is the NFL Analysis Network, just on Twitter. Uh, feel free to read my stuff over there. I'm very happy to be joining them. I'm really excited. I just put an article out in three ways that Jordan Love can improve in order to reach its full potential. Please go read the article. Thanks again, guys. See you later.